I just I was just, I've been reading obviously a lot like the Australian music over the last five six years has just been kind of going off between you know like Taku and Highest Coyote and yeah um, oh yeah Mel- Chet like, Faker and I think Melbourne stuff. is where like all the amazing like sort of jazz infused like future soulish kind of stuff is happening but then there's a lot of there's a lot of like bands there's always been a lot of rock bands in Australia yeah um, there's a there's this young uh, girl called. Um, I think Tash Sultana is her name mm-hmm. and she's like oh my god she's she's amazing yeah. she's like young gay like multi-instrumentalist like performs on stage alone with a looper and nice. like amazing voice really cool yeah and she's been like selling out shows in the states as well and Damn. touring and yeah she's, she's I gotta amazing. check her out yeah I always love watching people loop it's just like oh, it's something she, and that she like, does it like the way it should be it done it should be done yeah. yeah cause there's a lot of really shitty looping that you can see yes. in a lot of shows so mm-hmm. I always like when I see somebody that's like killing it on that front um yeah so um I whilst you were gone went to FYF and yes which I missed yeah it was uh it was probably Missy. the last three day festival I will do like the normal way of like and this is like crazy because FYF is like here in LA and like you can go home to your own bed and it's great but mm-hmm. it was just like my body I don't think can handle that uh is it really hot it wasn't even that as hot it's just like the standing I mean I just have bad joints I think everything's just I need to get like my I, should, I think I need to get like my knees and my hips and like my ankles just replaced you preemptively, to, you know, just the, get like um, some new like titanium bad boys and just be like rock solid. Do yeah. it while I don't have to like, while I have like a super long recovery. I'm still relatively young, so I think I can get. You get need over some it. gelatin. Like, you need to, uh, like the powdered gelatin. Is that what I'll do? What does that do? It like builds your, bo- your bone. Okay, well, this is really like not that interesting. <laughs> we sound like, um, like two old Bettys like on <laughs> SNL. Really like, are, like <laughs> gelatin? gelatin you got to get into it it's great how do you not know what gelatin does it, i've it been taking gelatin bones. for 24 years i've not cracked a rib in like not five a single years one. i mean i could i could leap bounds over buildings i mean these these joints wonder woman indestructible. ain't got nothing on me right nothing. now hello diana who <laughs> um no it's funny so i have like a dirty little secret to admit What's i that? um had never seen erica badu live what? up until that point i don't believe it. I know. Um, I've been like a gigantic fan for so long, um, probably like almost 20 years now. And yeah, um, probably 20 yeah, years. Every time she'd be around, it was like I was like too young and couldn't go or had no money or I was just out of town. Um, so a myriad of excuses. Uh, but she just fucked me all the way up during that show. She's one of the best live shows consistently, like always. I've seen her five times. Wow. Yeah. It was. And it's always. And it's especially because I find it to be really hard to like have an intimate show at a festival. It's just kind of uh, counter like intuitive in that kind of space. She can do that. And she did it so well. Like. I mean, I, I you got, feel like you're just having a kiki with her. It really was. She had this like little bit she's that she so said. Funny. She's so funny and she's so like intuitive. Like it's crazy to see somebody who could, you know, like really connect with every single person there. You know, she mm. had this whole bit about 90s babies that she said about, you know, how like, oh, you know, this was like when I released Baduism, like this is the music that your parents were listening to, like when you were nursing or when they were like making you or whatever. And it's like, so I'm in your DNA. And she was going on about, you know, how 
she had been waiting for 20 years for them to grow the fuck up so she could have a proper introduction. Oh my God. And it was just That's like, good. I just got immediately emotional about it. I'm not even a 90s kid, a baby, but like, I was just like, oh my God, like, uh, you got me. I mean, I cried like twice. It was, uh, she's just, she was amazing. She was fantastic. I just, and I felt like an idiot for like ever missing anything that she ever does. So, I mean, she can have all of my coins for the rest of my life. I will see her yeah. each and every She's time. She's one of those artists, too, that, like, one of the artists I'm going to talk about um, today, too, is, like, one of these artists that doesn't necessarily need, like, the radio or the chart success because they live in the live arena and, like, they will, they just tour constantly and that's, like, their bread and butter and that is where you really experience them. Like, yeah. And even listening to her records is amazing, but there's something like transcendent about her life without a doubt without a doubt and and that's the thing that was craziest about it was that like it just i mean i already have such a a uh, a, a deep 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 like like affection for her you know i mean that's the kind of how our friendship started was talking about erica mm. um i mean she's just somebody that I, I i really really have always loved and i've always connected with her music and it was yeah. just nuts to kind Me of like too. i mean i got a goddamn <laughs> erica badu tattoo it's true <laughs> i mean like she just she she just killed me it was crazy i was just like ah you are just she was like 20 minutes late on the stage uh, and the crazy oh thing was she, she was right before frank ocean and i was also just like i'm not missing him and i was like come on eric you can't do this right now like because i know you're gonna go over i don't want to miss anything and I was, as soon as she got on the stage i was just like worth it <laughs> i was so bothered beforehand but i was like god you just she looked like a badass she was just like she killed it the arrangements were fucking flawless uh her bgvs were as always just yeah. uh, like on Durand point still, yeah yeah still shout out it. to durand um yeah it was uh they were they were killer so i mean honestly i was like i can go the fuck home after this everybody else is like you know how was missy did missy uh i did see bjork bjork was all as always is really great the last time i saw her was uh probably like six years ago in chicago and she got rained out and it was like a real bummer because it was 15 minutes into the show oh shit um so it was really good to to see her because i mean it's bjork and she put on a hell of a show plus her dj he was wearing some really badass heels and i was absolutely there oh for was that. it um what's his name like arca or something no it wasn't arca um arca did perform there uh, as well but he wasn't he, wears some crazy. he always wore some crazy uh, a crazy get up yeah um she was great missy fucking killed it uh that was like oh the whole God. reason why i went <laughs> this year uh she was also i love that all the headliners were like grown ass women yeah like yeah. between the ages of like 40 and 50 pretty much yeah i mean it was like it was it was great to just see like a really that whole lineup was something that i felt was just like oh i just want like pick cherry pick like the best parts of like your adolescent and adult and adult like years and just like there's a presentation there from Bjork to Missy uh, to Nine Inch Nails Tribe Called Quest mm. uh, just all these which, people uh, which apparently was like the their last final show in L A or just the last show in general um, I don't I, I, they I did one in New York yeah. afterwards but yeah it was apparently they're not ever gonna do another another show, show before which, you know which was, TBD yeah. <laughs> Bills do have to get paid. Um, but um, yeah, that, they were they were killer. Their sound was really, really awful, but um, they put on a good show. Um, but yeah, here we, enough about that. I guess let's like... Uh, here we are here again. Here we are again with the context of sound. 
uh, the last episode we had, there were a lot of opinions. Oh, so many opinions. And actually, I there was something I realized that like really. So the last one was was theme songs. Mm-hmm. There was something that I really left out, and I feel of a theme song. Yeah. There was one that I left out because I basically, um, and I, I, I feel like I need to play it because I feel really like really ter- like terrible because it completely skipped in my brain. I mean, I only played one UPN uh, song, like theme song, throughout the whole episode, and um, I, I realized afterwards, after some deep reflection, that UPN was like the home of like they they made like theme songs of the late '90s and early 2000s what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that like I uh, got like really I was really bummed out that I forgot about was the theme song to the like it was probably on for like two or three seasons a show called Malcolm and Eddie. Do you remember that? Yeah, I never watched Malcolm and Eddie. Uh, this theme song is really good. Isn't it like funny, bum? They just won't leave you alone while you're sitting inside your home. Does that just sound like Shaka or is that Shaka? I have no idea who it is. Seriously, that does sound a lot like Shaka. The theme song is literally just someone yelling. It's it's flawless, you know. I, I don't know. I just completely forgot about it, and I was just like, I always loved when I would when I saw that come on. I was like, <laughs> it was just like just somebody yelling. Um, but a lot of people had uh, a lot of a lot of additions on there. There were some really great ones, like the Proud Family theme song. That's a great theme song. Um, okay, wait. Um, do you have another a good one? Okay. <laughs> This um, this one I completely left out, and it's not a show. The show's garbage. It was probably one of the biggest shows of the '90s. It was a huge hit, <laughs> but the theme song to me is it, it's another one that evokes. It's that like '90s male gravelly like rock and roll. It's like like a rock. It's like a Budweiser commercial from the '90s kind of voice. Yeah. And when I was in Australia, I sang it like constantly. <laughs> I don't know why, but well, now maybe this makes sense. Afraid to step into 
is like a distinct lack of that just kind of like shamelessness shameless like yelling on yeah. a, on, a, on an album I, I just feel like is it i don't know if it's just that like if it's like the sort of like the middle-aged like yelling white man of like the adult contemporary sound that is 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 lacking I now. I think there's a just a general lack of passion and enthusiasm in life in general. Like we're this just kind true. of post Y2K. Like man, there's a lot of like true. mumbling. Yeah, like I'll I'll kind of sing this. Like song. I don't want people to know that I really care it's, that much. Yeah, no, no, this <laughs> <laughs> is very true. You're like. Everybody's kind of we're in a we've been in a perpetual state of unbothered yeah. for for quite a while now. I yeah, think. I would say six, seven years. At oh yes, yeah. oh yeah. Just basically like, since the last time the Black Eyed Peas put out an album. <laughs> <laughs> shut up! Just shut up! Shut up! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like Fergie really kind of. I think maybe she just canceled it all. <laughs> like too much, too much, feeling. too much Fergaliciousness. <laughs> Oh man! It's, so yeah. yeah, I mean, we got uh, there's. I mean, we we have to probably do another TV uh, theme song episode. Yeah, not for a while. Road. Not for a while, but yeah. like, um, like we'll get into some deep cuts, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, today's topic, um, I'm actually really excited about because uh, it's kind of connected to to just today in general. We're uh, talking about comeback albums. Yes. Um, Our top comeback albums. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think obviously, like when we talk about a comeback album, a comeback is you can come back from I feel like many we should different call this, things. Don't call it a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I mean, what you can come back from, you know, a really rehab. shitty rehab, a really <laughs> shitty record, like yeah. a personal tragedy, tragedy, You're disappearing Disa- from the face of the planet. This is true. Um, um, uh, massive weight off. loss. Massive um, <laughs> weight loss. Um, uh, breakdowns, breakups. Glow downs, glow ups, all kinds of things. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think I think a lot of the the albums that we're or, or that we're talking about today kind of cover the gamut of of those different sort of uh, types of of comebacks that you can get. Yeah, um, I think the I think the gra- the the basically the ground rule or like maybe the 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 biggest number one rule in a comeback is having is the public having diminished expectations of you yes and this i guess all all of these artists at least the ones i picked sort of had been written off or dismissed or just like okay well you know they did that and now they took a seat it's time to take a seat yeah Yeah. no it's true i i think that um, I I love a comeback because it's like the ultimate fuck you. It really is, and especially like in a, com- a comeback that is like unapologetically so. I think sometimes people have like are like really surprised by them. So I'd say like uh, one surprising comeback would be like um, like Britney's Blackout album. You know, she was yes. just like right out of you know and her all, kind of but breakdown. That but that was just, very special because also that. Comeback was in the middle, in the middle of, of, a break of a breakdown, <laughs> but it was just like you know, it was one of those things where you're just like, shit, this is like a really fucking good album. Like everyone had written her off. Like the album deep was a in comeback. The yeah, the album was a comeback, but like she was on her way, kind of still down, which is which is kind of a, a an interesting. <laughs> it's a unique. It's a scenario. unique scenario. This is very true. Um, but I mean, from I mean, even when you think about like that album in general, it's like. Uh, that one was kind of surprising because I don't think that she expected it to be so like critically like, well received. I don't even know if she knows that <laughs> it was critically well received. Not at the time, probably not. 
Um, I don't even, did she even know she had an album out? I, I mean, like, judging on her VMA's performance, I don't believe that she did uh, that year. God bless her. Um, she has overcome a lot. Yes. Uh, God bless her. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I don't think at the time that she was aware of just how... Anything. Anything. Um, no. Um, but, you know, from... And not to make light of mental illness uh, or distress or anything like not. that. Absolutely not. Um, because, you know, she was going through some real shit. And then Don't obviously, too, <laughs> in the, the, through the lens of just, like, um, like the invasion of privacy and just, like, the, the media kind of just, like, hounding her. I mean, yeah, I, that I can only imagine. Yeah, that and, kind of frame is just, like, paralyzing. And MKUltra brainwashing. This is very true. <laughs> the Illuminati will get you. You know, yeah. you better sleep with one eye open. <laughs> that third eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was a comeback. Um, there's so many good ones, and and uh, well, what, let's just or get even into bad it. ones. Like, do you remember Chinese well, democracy? If, well, I don't know if that can be. Oh, do I? <laughs> oh boy. I mean, yeah. A failed comeback. Those are the worst. Yeah. Um, but this isn't about failed comebacks. <laughs> this is about good ones. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to? I mean, I guess no, no, you start. Do you I start? start? Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to get started with um, uh, one album that I, I, I really, really, really appreciate by a group that I, I very dearly love uh, called the Dixie Chicks. Uh, this album is taking a long way. Um, it, it's, it, it came out in um, 2006 uh, and it was a, um, a, a kind of a, a really defiant stance that they took following some uh, something that happened some years prior. Um, Effectively, um, involving a president, involving a president. So essentially, uh, to kind of start this story off, the Dixie Chicks obviously um, are you know very very big country music band from Texas. Um, they kind of broke out in the early mid '90s uh, and kind of became this like uh, unbelievable uh, force in the industry. Essentially, there were these three women who wrote. Their music had unbelievable fucking harmonies and uh, could write the fuck out of a song. Um, they had just in 2002 released, um, like I think it was Wide Open Spaces and was on tour for called Top of the World. And they were in... Uh, what one, year were they on tour for that? 2003. Okay. Um, they were uh, in London in 2003. This was kind of right around the time uh, that uh, the uh, president then... President Bush was uh, preparing to kind of enter into Iraq after kind of getting involved in Afghanistan and the world was kind of on edge, uh, as mm. we now know, uh, because it was a terrible decision and a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the girls, whilst at uh, whilst on tour there, uh, made a bit of a statement. Yes, uh, I remember very well. That kind of upset a lot of people. Uh, and here is that statement. They're ashamed that the president of the United States is, is from, from Texas. Texas. Mm. Uh, generally, generally said, so just so you know, we're on the good side with y'all. We do not want this war, this violence. Uh, and then she obviously just said that she was ashamed that the president was from Texas. Um, that kind of statement was 
uh, not well received by the <laughs> largely conservative uh, 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 country music fan base. And the kind of fallout of that conversation and that kind of, uh, and that, um, uh, that statement was kind of devastating to them. Yeah. Uh, there was, I, mean, I remember when it, it happened, was it was this gigantic thing. Um, and they, they actually ended up releasing a, uh, a documentary that really kind of well covers the, the three years between, uh, that show in London and the release of taking the long way. Uh, and there's some like really interesting, um, uh, things that ended up happening as a result, uh, some conversations in, in, in the actual, uh, uh, after that event happened, uh, they were actually like, I don't, it was funny how they ended up actually being able to, uh, release a documentary because it's really well documented, just kind of even from after that show to them sitting in their hotel room afterwards, kind of talking with their manager about how they're trying to fix this. Yeah. Because the backlash was humongous. I remember just like people burning their CDs, oh, and, yeah. which is very toxic by the way unbelievably toxic and then people doing that i mean taking bulldozers and steamrollers over the things um there's a um uh some clips (laughs) of i mean it's it's unbelievable (laughs) like uh they she eventually ended up like kind of trying to this the release that she said was that you know uh her words came from uh, the fact that she was frustrated because the president was ignoring the opinions of many uh, in the U S and alienating the rest of the world. Uh, mm, and sounds familiar. Just, just a little bit. Um, but, uh, on top of that, um, she even went further to apologize directly to the president. Um, and, uh, it was funny that, you know, um, the, the way in which people responded to it, even in the media, uh, by the standards of 2017, I was just looking at a lot of these clips, uh, and just some of the shit that people were saying is, it's, it's bananas. I'm going to play this clip of just a bunch of like news clips, uh, from the time and just like <clears> the of white people being the so unbelievable extra. misogyny oh, yeah. uh, in these statements is it's overwhelming. <laughs> it hurt our men fighting overseas who no, think their cause is just. Is this a matter of free speech or bad manners? Their opinion is so ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. I think they are the ditzy twits. These are the <laughs> dumbest, dumbest bimbos, with due respect, I have seen. These are callow, foolish women who deserve to be slapped around. Wow. Absolutely. Bill the O'Reilly. The is working with Greenville Police to provide extra security surrounding the Dixie Chicks concert. There's all sit. The more that time goes by, I realize that we're in a continuous loop of absolutely no progress whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's like you take two steps forward and then you take 12 steps back. Um, it's crazy. This is less than 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, like that. It's like barely even 10 years yeah. ago. I mean, it's, yeah. It's barely been 10 years. I mean, it's been 11 years since this album came out. And they're like, the fact that you can on national television call somebody like a bimbo a dumb and say bimbo that you should slap them around and slap them around like for the for an expression of a freedom of speech it was it's crazy that there was a um there were just like protests uh, at, at all of their shows with all kinds of crazy signs uh country music stations refused to play any of their music people were obviously like we said earlier like burning a lot of their albums uh Toby Keith uh that fucking idiot uh, who was touring at the time would perform with a giant banner of the lead singer Natalie Maines who made the statement like hugging uh, Saddam Hussein. Brilliant. Like, just 
just unbelievable kind of things um, that like uh, simply for stating the truth, like there was not a single single lie uh, there. But it was crazy that, you know, people, you know, were saying things like uh, um, that freedom of speech is fine. But by God, don't do it outside of the country and don't do it in mass publicly. What? Who said that? Uh, this was uh, some lady named Laura Ingram who coined the th- phrase "set up and sing, uh, which was the name of their documentary. Poor Charles. Uh, and uh, the, the title of her book was Shut Up and Sing, How Elites from Hollywood, Politics, and the UN Are Subverting America. Oh, my God. This is so tired. It's it's just ridiculous because when you look at it, like again, like you said, this is eleven years ago, and this is still it's, this is fresh. I mean, this feels like on. this is this is happening. Oh, it it absolutely is. It, it's crazy too because I think from the perspective of these being three women whom, from by this point in time, had really not had any real real kind of like politically charged music. I think the closest oh, thing you can... Oh, this made them so punk. I feel so like punk. Didn't, th- didn't their like foreign fan base just like grow, grow exponentially? Immensely? Like they couldn't tour in the States, I mean, basically. even their... I mean, the thing though, too, I mean, the, the best part, and as we get into the actual album itself, um, was that it won them over so many more, so many more fans yeah. as a result. Because I think that... Uh, in the ensuing years following 2003, uh, up to, you know, 2006, you know, when America was deep in two wars uh, in, Af- in Afghanistan and Iraq and, and very much so tired of them both. Uh, it was it was kind of a thing that everyone realized that, oh, shit, she didn't really say a single thing that was wrong or yeah. problematic here. Um, but uh, essentially, I, as you can say, you know, they they essentially just kind of got like absolutely deflated. I mean, people were sending them death threats. Uh, they had to have increased security and bomb sniffing dogs and things like that at their show. Um, and, you know, as they kind of are dealing with the the fallout of all of this, they start creating, um, uh, taking the long way. Uh, this record was uh, kind of largely produced by, you know, Rick Rubin, the God who produced yeah. ev- everything. Uh, they it kind of featured some songwriting efforts with Linda Perry, Cheryl Crow, Pete Yorn, uh, Jerry Lewis from the Jayhawks, uh, and a few other people. Um, the great thing about what ended up happening with this album was um, a, a, a few things, and there was a, a the the way in which they 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 built out kind of lyrically how this album was was sort of surrounded by was like their was kind of evident in their their lead single from it called Not Ready to Make Nice. Mm. I'm not ready to make nice. That one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forget Sounds good Forget I'm not sure they say time heals everything, but I'm still waiting. I'm through with doubt. There's nothing left for me to figure out. I've paid a price. And I'll keep paying 
Yeah. So I mean, like, if it's a great producer, <laughs> it's a great record. produced record. Um, it was kind of their most kind of non. It was a bit more pop. It wasn't like, as traditional as tradi- traditionally yeah. country as the rest of it was. But again, as you were saying, it was like a pretty punk moment for them to just be like. Uh, there's actually a really great little clip from an interview uh, or, or a piece from the um, from the documentary Shut Up and Sing that I wanted to play where um, the one of the songwriters that was working on the on this particular song with them uh, talks about the experience of, of how this came along. My idea to them called Undivided because I thought that people were being divided by politics and being like, okay, you have to be on this side and you have to be on this side. Now you all go ahead and hate each other. And be about also how the girls have dealt with uh, controversy instead of being divided and conquered. They stuck together. Natalie thought about it for a second and she said, well, does that mean that in the song I would have to forgive the people who did all that to us? And I said, maybe it would for the song, maybe it would. And, and she went, nope. Yeah, so I mean, I remember when I heard this song come out, came out because, like I said, I I, I love the Dixie Chicks. I've had a weird fascination with female country singers my whole life. Yeah. But, um, I remember when I heard this song, no, the Dixie Chicks. Are I great. said, "Go the fuck off," because I mean, after like just the like the the sort of fervor around them never really died down between 2003 and 2006. Because when you give white people something to be angry about, they will stay mad about it forever uh mm. and, and they did and it was, in a, it was in a way that's so over the top <laughs> it's so extra like you're sending death <laughs> threats death threats this is why white people are so dangerous because <laughs> nobody else would ever do this it's like they're like oh cool whatever girl like go go say whatever you want to say like i might not agree with you but like whatever but like to the point of like you are you are spending money so you're like buying a record just to destroy it you're spending time like writing out fucking like protest uh, signs and all kinds of shit over something this this dumb. I mean, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. But it was it was just such a great defiant kind of fuck you to everybody when I heard that song when they released it because it was just like no, like I'm not I'm not ready to sort of like sit here and act like what you guys said or did is right because it was fucked up and fuck all of y'all. Uh, and and the rest of the album kind of like is built around like their experiences and then their emotions around kind of how uh, how they went through life following, you know, what was said. Um, it was, that particular song, Not Ready to Make Nice, was released in June of 2006. Uh, it was actually ended up being their biggest hit in the U.S. to date. Wow. Um, it, actually, it was like a crossover. It was a, yeah, I mean, it was like the first thing that they had released uh, following, you know, the big, uh, the big incident. And, uh, it ended up actually winning them three Grammys. It got record of the year, song of the year, and the best country performance by a duo or group. Um, and, um, there's some really great quotes that I wanted to read, uh, just kind of from their, uh, experiences of how they ended up writing this, this particular record. And, um, Natalie says that they tried to write about the incident a few times, but you get nervous that you're being too preachy or too victimized or too nonchalant. Uh, Dan Wilson, who, um, oh, that's Charlie. Uh, 
Dan Wilson, uh, who was uh, one of the music songwriters who worked with them, right? yep, uh, came with the idea that it was some kind of concession, uh, more of like a can we all get along? Uh, and I said, nope, I can't make that. I can't do that. And we talked about it and he said, what about I'm not ready to make nice? Uh, from the outside, normal people really weren't aware of how bizarre and absurd it got. Dan was really good at cluing into that, at cluing into that uh, saying something that didn't back down, but still had a vulnerability to it. Um, they kind of overall said that the album was a real uh, big sort of therapy piece for them uh, and it kind of helped them uh, find peace with everything and move along. Um, the there's um, the album in general, I, I've always really loved um, largely because I think it, it had this level of kind of personal uh, uh, sort of introspection and then just like vulnerability that the rest of their their music up until that point really hadn't been able to touch. It always been kind of very fun, lighthearted, romantic, and 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 really you know like I mean they had like traveling soldier, which was you know a, a beautiful song uh, about a, a sort of Vietnam era a relationship uh, with a soldier and his uh, girlfriend back home, which was uh, to date probably their most kind of political statement that they had made. Uh, it was actually the song that they were introing when uh, Natalie made that comment at that show in Los in London. But this particular album was just a bit more personal, just felt more mature. Um, a lot of them, uh, three of the three of them had all kind of recently had, you know, children. Mm. Uh, and one of the, the cute song, the, the songs that I've, I, I love the most uh, is kind of a song to the uh, to their children that I will play now. Yeah, so that's the song that's called Lullaby. Uh, it's so. I feel like this adorable. is a good album to start with if you're not like familiar with them, or that if you're not like really a big country fan, but you feel like, oh, the Dixie Chicks are kind of cool, and I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a really accessible album for non-country fans. Mm. Um, because I myself like I I have like a past. I mean, I like music, so I like country music. Um, but I'm not like I'm not listening to Toby Keith or fuck no or any of There's that other bullshit. There's a lot of toxic masculinity in country oh, music. Uh, some, I mean, the, the <clears throat> like toxic mostly. mostly, yeah. I mean, between I mean, hip hop and country are basically on the same level of like misogyny and bullshit uh, that is attached to it, and that's kind of why I largely kind of stick to female country singers yeah. and, and in general like. If you weren't making music in the '90s or beforehand, I don't really know who you are. But um, I, I think that for people who just for want to understand, yeah, for countrywide. Yeah. Um, but for people who want to just like, 
maybe give it a shot. Uh, I, I highly recommend this album. I, I think that uh, they they did a really great job uh, in in working with you know like Rick Rubin, who I think is is one of the f- the most capable kind of producers to kind of build that kind of hybrid sound um, that they were kind of going for. Um, it, it was it was kind of a a, a really really beautiful uh, culmination of just like them kind of saying like all right um, this is what happened yeah. uh, we're unapologetic for it it happened we're upset we're also hurt uh, but we're also not really we're gonna remain unbothered by it you know and like we're also like not ready to back down no we're not ready to we're still mad as hell. Um, few other things. Uh, like I said, this was a big comeback for them for a few reasons. Uh, people weren't expecting it to be uh, what it was. I think that they were expecting a, a more subdued kind of apologetic or, uh, or sort of timid uh, uh, thing. Or they were probably assuming that they weren't going to even comment it, on it. Right. You know, I think that it, it was, took a lot of people by surprise because they addressed it pretty head on and did so in a really, really really dynamic and, and uh, well-produced and well-executed man, uh, way. Um, the song, the album in general debuted at number one. Uh, wow. it, it went double platinum within a year. Uh, on top of those three Grammys and Not Ready to Make Nice um, won, it also won two more, Album of the Year. Uh, and it won Album, it of, won the album year. of the Year. Yeah. Wow. It did. This was a massive deal. It was deal. a massive deal. Like, when you talk about, like, how... How like a big final fuck you to a bunch of people. This was a glow up. Like, like I I remember watching the Grammys (laughs) this year, and like that was probably the last year of the Grammys that I was like, all right. The funny thing is, is I think that year too was the year. No, it was a year following because the year beforehand was bullshit. For another record that I'm talking about later on, but um, uh, I remember watching it this year and just being so happy for them because I just remembered like they obviously just experiencing what they all went through, uh, through the process was you know like it was it was annoying because to see people so like unjustly sort of persecuted uh and to have them be able to uh not only have a, a massively successful commercial release but also have a massively uh, successful critical uh, acclaim mm-hmm. attached to to their sort of response to it all is like the definition of a comeback yeah um and uh yeah i mean this uh this record is is it's it's a classic to me um, they've not released any new music really since then. I mean, they went on tour last year and I saw them finally and I like went by myself actually. Um, but it was like, it was unbelievable. Um, but I'm hoping that they come out with something new. I did want to play one more song, uh, because it's, uh, another one that I really like. Um, that was one of their album, their, um, I feel like for some odd reason it's like a, to me in my head, it's like this weird, like funeral song kind of wanted to be played at my funeral um so just take note on that okay okay it's called bitter end
The funny thing about that song is it's pretty tongue in cheek if you think about it, because they're just saying like to those people who used to be their friends are like, oh, I was a fan, but I'm no longer anymore. They're just like, like bye, bye, bye. See you later. Yeah. Go on. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just love it. I think, like I said, this uh, this album is like the most punk rock uh, country album of, of existence that I know of. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's my my first comeback album that I want to talk about. So if you haven't get, gotten into it yet, uh, or you are, uh, like Sam was saying, just like wanting to have like a decent like little intro into country music or into just kind of like pop country, go for taking uh, the long way. Cool. I love like I love a three, like three female like folky country harmony. You know, it's so it's like such a. It's such a dynamic sound. I don't know, yeah. like they they have such great harmonies, yes. like such they're so tight and just like, obviously like Natalie has a fucking unbelievable voice, uh, but in general like they just write really good music too. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean yeah. like just get into the Dixie Chicks if you're not already, because I swear to God you won't be disappointed. Cool, yay! Thanks, Dixie Chicks. Congratulations on your glow up. Yeah, make some more fucking music, um, seriously. There's um, mostly like women on my list today too. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's I picked one, one dude, one dude. But um, I think because I think it's 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 hard. At, well, there's so many things in the world that are stacked against women, but the music industry in general is like pretty horrible towards women, even still. Especially still. I mean, like, what I mean, is it? What Cardi B was literally the first female rapper to like chart in the top ten since 2014. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. And is she really even a rapper? Uh, barely. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love Bodak Yellow. I love that's that song. Crazy. But like, it's like, bananas. There's no women. And there's so many amazing female rappers right now. Yeah. So many of them. Uh, but yeah, but if they're not like hypersexual, they sort of don't really, they don't go anywhere. You know. It's a, it's a real bummer or just in general, like think about how few women have been able to be successful in music just this year. Like who, like I think Rihanna has been Rihanna. the only person, only woman to crack the top 10, uh, in the last year or so. Like it's, it's just, it's such a inhospitable, it's an inhospitable time for women, uh, just in general in Trump's America. Yeah. And it's definitely even more so in the, in the music industry. Yeah, the too. music industry. And I mean, we've talked about representation in the music industry and how little, you know, there's, rep- there's, you know, virtually no queer representation. Mm-hmm. There's certainly a lot of, not a lot of women, women. and, you know, diversity in general, but um, to the, my first one that I'm going to speak on is um, basically a woman that needs no introduction, and it's Madonna. Mm. And there's two albums like that are considered comeback albums. I mean, this woman her She's whole had a long career is career. a comeback. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like literally, no one thought she would <laughs> be around. No one thought she would last. No one thought she could do what she's done. Yeah. She's the ultimate fuck you. She really is. I mean, like, I don't know how many people can, like, not many people have had more reinventions than Rodana has had over the years. And just constantly being written off. Like, I think that's, too, one of the reasons why she does have such a thick skin and there's this, like, toughness and this, like, mm-hmm. sort of, like, there's this attitude and this anger that she yeah. embodies because I just think of how 
consistently people have said like you can't do this you don't have the talent you don't have the body you don't have the look you're not right you're like and to consistently just you're like no i'm gonna do this Mm -hmm. i don't give a shit Mm -hmm. like that's something that i really admire in her yeah i mean she's she's like say what you want about her and And her problematic behavior but like she's definitely like uh just as a woman in the industry, like, I mean, she has been told and said everything. And I think is, is, you know, despite all of her problems, like a, a survivor in, 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 in more ways than one and yeah. is, uh, has such a story to tell, you know, like yes. it's, I, I, I can't wait for, you know, the kid. Cause I don't think that many kids nowadays know, really know anything about Madonna or kind of like they don't know the don't right know her things story. about Madonna. You know, yeah, they know about you know uh, an old white lady who takes vitamin B twelve shots all the time and yeah. wears a red string around her wrist and it can't sit down and likes to try to twerk every once in a while. But <laughs> like, yes, which is kind of what they know about Mariah Carey too. Um, <laughs> like Mariah in Carey a different way, she barely tries to move now. But, um, yeah, oh, they, oh yeah, they don't. Um, yeah, it's true. And I don't get it. I just I want people to know her story, you know, because I think that just for um, the generation of, you know, of women nowadays that are, you know, coming into their adult years to like kind of understand just uh, really kind of uh, the the sort of the feminist icon that, oh, yeah. that Madonna and has the been since the 80s. Down. I mean, this woman, like when she came out, you know, we, I mean, this is what I've read and I find this very difficult to believe, but apparently like when she first came out with like borderline and some, like she was only really played on R and B radio. Really? Well, like, yeah. And Interesting. like, yeah. That's crazy. And then like crossed over into pop. Borderline was the shit. Borderline is amazing. Yeah. It's such a good song. Um, but she's, you know, one of the biggest selling female artists of all time. Mm-hmm. Artists, period. 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 Um, and Throughout the 80s, she was a huge deal. And in the early 90s, she sort of started to, like, she started to not really reach the same heights of success. And people were getting really sick of her, and she'd become very sexually provocative. She released um, an album called Erotica, which was extremely controversial. And people were like, you know, again, there was, like, a lot of misogyny directed towards her. Because women can't be sexual Because women cannot be in control of their sexuality. Yeah. I mean, think about like that, like, uh, and came out like, like, I think the same year that the, what was that? Like 92 or 93? I think it was 92. 92. That yeah. was the same year that Dr. Dre's The Chronic came out, which was unbelievably sexually explicit. Yeah. Uh, and it got like pretty much like, uh, critically praised. Like, oh yeah, you know, this is a landmark gangster rap music. This shit's yeah. dope. Yet this woman does this and is like, oh, she's a fucking skank. And she just like, it's too promiscuous and sexually provocative. And yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but so she had, and then she'd released bedtime stories, which is again, another sort of sexually provocative album that she'd re- uh, written a, a lot of with Babyface oh, right. and Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Babyface did a lot of Babyface and Leonard Cohen. <laughs> I mean, not sorry, not Leonard Cohen. Um, <laughs> I was like, wow, that is a, a songwriting team. 
uh, dream team Patrick right Leonard. there. Sorry, Patrick <laughs> Leonard, Leonard Cohen. Um, Can you that imagine? would be amazing. Very I would, I would, Cohen I would absolutely listen to that record. Yeah, I would <laughs> want to sit at that dinner table. Oh man, I'd just be the record in, the like the engineer in the room at the time. <laughs> exactly. Um, but so she'd started doing more acting roles and and hadn't really had a big uh, commercial success on radio or um, um, on record for a while. And so she kind of went away and in 1998 came back with the album Ray of Light, which is by far her most critically acclaimed record. One of the most critically acclaimed records that year or towards the end of the 90s. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's uh, a lot of critics claim that it's the album that broke Electronica into the mainstream and that mm-hmm. sound, that mm-hmm. like that sort of like fusion of electronic trip hop drum and bass techno pop like mm-hmm. sort of ambient yeah. no one in the pop landscape had really made a record like that yeah um that was commercially successful mm-hmm. and it was a game changer for her and she debuted a new look she debuted a new look a new sort of like softer yeah okay so let me get into let me play um this is the the opening track of the album it's called drowned world slash substitute for love and this is sort of written after the birth of her first child lordis track substitute such a good song it's just it's so well produced so well produced and it's, it's also marked the sort of like new i mean her like stop the, just the mastering yeah and the vocal performance just, um one of the 
the things that critics were saying about the record was like that her vocals had gotten so much better. And she had, she did the film Evita, which she had for the first time in her like, you know, long career at that point even had, uh, had a vocal coach and mm-hmm. she really wanted to get that role of Evita yeah. like and nail it. And she yeah. won a golden globe for it. Yeah. Um, so let me get into the, the history of the record. She, uh, before she was working on this album, she'd started writing songs again with Babyface and Patrick Leonard, and the sessions weren't really going very well. They weren't going anywhere. So um, her manager introduced her to this guy, William Orbit, who was sort of like a down-tempo electronica producer from the UK. Mm. And he'd sent her a bunch of instrumentals, and she loved them. So they got together in... Uh, 1997 in June in North Hollywood, California, and spent chic. four months. Yeah, so chic. I mean, you know, it was a especially billion degrees in the 90s. In, yeah, in North, yeah. Um, and they spent four months in the studio working on this album, and there was a lot of delays in the production of the album because he was using all this like kind of new production mm-hmm. technology at the time that was breaking down constantly. They were working in Pro Tools and he was using sampling machines and sort of computer programs that... Weren't particularly... That kept flopping. Yeah, Yeah. Probably Mercury was in retrograde. The whole time, I'd assume. (laughs) The whole time. (laughs) Um, Don't buy new electronics, kids. Don't don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, Mercury's in retrograde now, so just hold out. Just hold out. Oh, shit. That's why my Walkman that I bought is so shitty. Yes, that is probably why. <laughs> um, <laughs> a cassette Walkman. Yeah, I'm really into cassettes right now. Um, so during that time, she, bef- leading up to the work on this album, she had had a child. She had discovered um, Kabbalah, mm. sort of Jewish mysticism. She'd she'd been sort of doing meditation and learning about you know Hinduism and Buddhism. And so she started writing a lot of songs about that. She was doing daily yoga. Mm-hmm. This was like a huge sort of life change for yeah, her. Yeah, she was up until this point like kind of hedonist club uh, queen. Club queen. Yeah. yeah, she became all you know like mama yoga. Yeah, she was feeling um, her oats. And she was there was she was using a lot, a lot of Sanskrit words in the album and in the in the songs, which apparently she wasn't pro- pronouncing correctly. <laughs> So Shocker. it said that the BBC arranged um, for a yogi to come and like sort of teach her how to pronounce these words correctly. Yeah. Um, but she never did. No, she did. She did eventually. Yeah, she okay, got them. Good. Like here, this one's called Shanti Ashtangi. I probably didn't pronounce right. <laughs> she really took it there. Just a taste of that. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it is. 
Um, Especially when you think about the woman who created Like a Virgin following that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the first single to be released from the album came out February 23rd. It was called Frozen. Um, Did she perform this on Oprah? I believe so. Yeah, I remember this episode. Also, stunning video. Uh, yes. Um, it peaked in the top five in most markets around the world. It was Madonna's first single to debut at number one in the United Kingdom. What? It was her sixth single to peak at number two on Billboard Hot 100, um, which actually made her the artist with the most number twos <laughs> in, in, in history. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so fucked up. Does she still have that title? Probably not. You're so consumed with how much you get. It's probably Selena Gomez. You waste your time with <laughs> hate and regret. You're broken when your heart's not open. just impeccably produced and mixed and mm-hmm. and um performed really um the that so the album came out like a week later mm-hmm. and entered the top 100 number five and it became madonna's highest debut ever up until that point or still yeah um, at, at that point. And that was, this was like her fifth or sixth album? This was her seventh, seventh studio, studio album. album. Yeah. Wow. Um, May 6th, the single Ray of Light came out and um, it was number one in a lot of countries around the world. Um, sold millions of copies here and abroad. And um, it was based on a poem by Curtis Muldoon called Seferin. And again, it's produced by William Orbit.
Um, the album was nominated for six Grammys. It won four Grammys. And Which ones did it win? Ones. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why I omitted that from my. I feel like it's probably my, like pop vocal of the year and like maybe song. It didn't win album of the year. Yeah. I know that for sure. Maybe but like it, record or something. Yeah. I imagine because like that was a big ass song. Ray of Light was huge. Um, I mean, and even Frozen was a really big song. Yeah. Honestly, I don't even know why. I so distinctly remember watching that episode of Oprah when she was on there with... Oh, uh, that's a great episode of Oprah. Uh, when she was on there and performed Frozen. I'm going to actually just play a little... Um, it was also in clip. Oprah's 20... Uh, when you were talking about your life being informed, do you feel that you are a different kind of person, a different person? Do you feel kinder, gentler? I think um, I your publicist like for years says you're not as angry anymore. You're not yeah. as mad. Well, I had a lot of rage and anger that I had to work out. Through, through the years, and I kind of got it out of my system as, you know, as a performer. Um, and it was a real growing experience for me, and sometimes I did and said things that probably weren't, wasn't very um, listener-friendly, mm -hmm. but I was like, <laughs> I was working stuff out. Mm -hmm. you know? Do you, when you say uh, in quicker, in, in ray of light, quicker than a ray of light, and I feel just like I just got home, Yeah. what do you mean? I feel like I'm starting over. I mean, I look back at my life and I go, oh, my God, I didn't know anything then. I'm so, I, I feel like I'm right here. You know, I've done this much of, of, of what, I, what I was but put on this earth to do. just starting the learning curve. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the album, like I said, was like, it made like a lot of uh, top, like end of year lists of like, you know, best album. And I uh, just wanted to read a couple of the... The, the reviews, some of them, like, <laughs> music journalism has changed so much. Mm -hmm. And it really has. Like, there was actually an article in the, was in the Washington, um, and sorry, in the Wall Street Journal this week about how out of, like, 700 album reviews this year, none of them have been read, meaning, like, negative-leaning. Really? And that there's people don't write critical reviews of music anymore. Ugh. Except for Pitchfork, because they hate Pitchfork everyone. and they hate everything, yeah. Um, uh, Entertainment Weekly it's, wrote... It's kind of true. It's always like, oh, they, it was okay. It wasn't, like, perfect, but it was, like, whatever. So yeah. we'll give them an A for effort. Yeah. Get out of here. Awards for trying. Um, Entertainment Weekly wrote, for all her grapplings with self-enlightenment, Madonna seems more relaxed and less contrived than she's been in years, from her new Italian Earth Mother makeover <laughs> to especially her music. Ray of Light is truly like a prayer. And you know, she'll take you there. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. The Los Angeles Times wrote, one reason why her new Ray of Light is the most satisfying album of her career is that it reflects the soul-searching of a woman who is at a point in her life where she can look at herself with surprising candor and perspective. And, yeah, so it was, it was a huge comeback in terms of commercial success and reintroducing her to a lot of new fans mm -hmm. that, um, I mean, this was actually the first Madonna album I ever bought. That's the first Madonna album I ever listened to. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I was like a child in the 80s. Now I appreciate her 80s stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I honestly, like, yeah. Same. I wasn't allowed to listen to, to Erotica. No, I God, mean, I was no. like a child when that came out. Yeah, absolutely not. So, yeah, this was my first. I remember I went to, um, like, Blockbuster Music and paid 
cash for it. I paid cash. <laughs> I paid in cash. Um, yeah, I mean, like I, that was this was really my. I mean, because I knew I obviously knew who she was beforehand, but it just I never really felt like it was for me yeah. at all. Um, and I think yeah, when this album came out, specifically in our generation, it was like the it was kind of of our time. Um, yes. And it was the first thing that she, I mean, because she was such a Gen X band, uh, like musician. Very you know? much like, so Gen X. And that yeah. was just like kind of slightly before our time. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, she she really came back with a vengeance on that one. She did. But she's done it so many times, too. She so. did it again, uh, you know, 10 years later with Confessions on a Dance Floor, sure which did. was also considered like a huge comeback. I, I mean, mean she's, a DJ, so has she's done, done it. it. I mean, even Hard Candy was like another kind of like yeah. semi comeback for her. I mean, she's, she'll probably have another she, one. She has to. You she know, probably she's gonna, will. She's gonna have her like her like late when in her like her in her sixties have like a really badass like situation probably go down to. She'll have a do you believe in life after love she moment? She absolutely probably. will. She absolutely I mean, will. She's virtually unstoppable. I mean, she's probably gonna be. She's probably gonna outlive both of us. She'll let's probably be outlive. Honest. You know, I was actually thinking about uh, the other day. I, I went through sort of like a Madonna. Like started listening to Bedtime Stories, which is an album that I really like as well. I haven't even listened to that one. Oh, Oh, it's it's like her little like new jack swing hip hop R and B moment. Yeah, it's it. There's some great. It's not consistent, but there's some great tracks on there. Okay, but um, I was thinking, you know, I have criticized her publicly before. I you know I did an interview in Attitude magazine. Yeah, and didn't realize that it was one of my first big interviews. I didn't realize anybody was listening, and I said some things that I regret saying Mm -hmm. about Madonna and. It was published in like the tabloids over there, like the Sun and the Daily Mirror, Yeesh. and yeah, and it was like sort of like childish and misogynistic, actually, when I look back on it. Mm-hmm. But um, and I've not always loved everything that she's done, but I was thinking, man, like I'm gonna be really sad when she dies. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be like I I want to appreciate like her con- her contributions to culture more while she's alive. This is true. Yeah, that's a really good statement. Because it's so easy to dismiss her and write her off and she's not the best singer, she's not the best dancer, she's not the best writer. Yeah. But um she's what a great she's contributed entertainer. to yeah. culture is is immense, it's immense. and I want to appreciate her. Yeah. That's a, that's um, true. That's so I want to so end on this song The Power of Goodbye um which is like by any standard just a beautifully written uh, pop electronic ballad.
Yeah. I wonder if this like sound will come back. It's such a distinctly 90s it's sound. It's a very 90s sound. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because I was listening to that and I, I, I in my head I was like, this needs to be like, I feel like this could have like such a great kind of remix nowadays, like something that's kind of like a... So like some a new trap step house. with some like womp, 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 No, but just like from like, I, I don't know. I feel like at some point in time it will uh, come back. Um, I, I, just because like that album is, uh, it does have a very distinctly 90s sound to it, but it, it's not like sterile or like dated no, really. It's, it's just very, like, it's, it's very well crafted. Yeah. It's like the like production, like you were saying. Yeah, production uh, is spot on, um, especially like considering the fact that, like you said, that they were using such new technology to put it all together, um, and for it to just like, it, I mean, she she fucking did her thing on that album. She really yeah. did. Um, so yeah, that was my first like comeback choice. Okay, so um, my next one is also a. Uh, a comeback album for a pretty uh, infamous '90s diva. Um, <laughs> of uh, this one, I, I will start. Um, I love this story. I think this is like the best, one of the best comeback albums of all time. Uh, I don't. I mean, I'm not saying that the album is like absolutely spotless or flawless by any stretch of the imagination, but just from the perspective of who she is and how it all played out, and just like I think how I know popular who this is it is. Be. Um, but, um, I I I'll start in 2001, uh, <laughs> this goes back to 2001, uh, in which, uh, a little movie came out entitled <laughs> Glitter, um, and then Oh my God, one album. of the most bad amazing movies. So I, I watched Glitter, um. Did we watch this together a few years ago? Absolutely not. Okay. No, I would remember this. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen Glitter in... Like probably since two thousand and two, maybe. Um, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um, it's so good. It's Padma uh, Lakshmi. It's so. I mean, Debrat that in Debrat, that yes. she was. It was just like uh, it was a really terrible movie. I watched the whole thing. Uh, I don't know. It took me probably. Th- four hours to get through it. I kept stopping it because I was like, this is just... I also kept getting really confused because it jumps around a lot and it's not really pretty... It's a mess. It's a mess of a and movie. And it was um, it was like a starring... Ve- it was basically a vehicle for Yeah, because like Mariah was like, I want to act. Yeah. This is the thing that I want to do. Uh, and she like had an album that was accompanying it. Uh, both failed uh, and they failed quite miserably. Um, at that point in time, you know, like... Um, Mariah had been around for a while and she had broken every record there was to break. Like a, just over a decade. Um, she'd just been around for a decade. She had, uh, every album up before Glitter, uh, uh had gone multi-platinum and each one of them contained at least one, uh, Hot 100 number one. Um, Glitter had none. Uh, and, uh, that was kind of a really low point for her. She then kind of went through a lot kind of after, uh, after Glitter happened, uh, she had a record $100 million contract with yes. Virgin at the time, which following the... the I think it was, yeah, that was the biggest record It was the biggest record deal signed. of all time, yeah. yeah. Um, and then she kind of released this album called Charm Bracelet uh, oh. in 2002, 
which also sold relatively poorly um, and had one one song that um, was uh, well-received, Lover Boy. Um, that was the only one to uh, make it into the top 40. Um, Why can I not remember that? Because it's not really all that good. I mean, it's was a good song. Was that the one with... Here, let me play it for you. I just remember that I was in a Mariah Carey music video in 2004. Were you? Yeah, it was like in her off time. <laughs> yeah, this was before uh, the album. Um, I always forget that. Where is it? I don't know why it's not on here. Um, I would, before, before I play that song. Oh, it's I wanna, not even on. It's not even on, yeah. Um, I mean, like, in, in general, she had, like, Charm Bracelet was a, a bit of a response to uh, a very kind of public breakdown. This is like right around the time of her really weird like MTV Cribs episode. Yes, where she showed up with ice cream. She showed up with ice cream on, on TRL unannounced. And I'm going to play this clip because Carson Daly is a fucking dick. Um, and I don't remember like this, this, but he is so he's so fucking awful. Uh, just we'll, we'll play it. This is when Mariah Carey showed up unannounced. You got Ja Rule, uh, you got J-Lo, and that was uh, Unreal love Remix. Boy, with, with come on and love me. How's that? Give me more. This is oh, her showing up. <laughs> Mariah Carey. You gotta be kidding me. I remember a lot of screaming on TRL. TRL was mostly screaming. It's coming back, Zach. This one is Mariah Carey just walked in wearing a t-shirt, pushing an ice cream bin. Don't announce to me. Wait, 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 get the truck, get the truck. Hi, Carson. What are you doing here? Hi. I just wanted to surprise you. Oh, she was wearing like a t-shirt and nothing else. Just a t-shirt. Yeah, I remember this. I remember I was watching it live when it happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Wait, where's my spot? I got a present for you. Okay. Wait, where am I supposed to stand for this? Stand? I don't know. What are you here? doing here is the question. I'm here. Can you hold this? Yeah, sure. I brought you a present. It's this shirt. Yes, of course it does. What are you doing? Oh, my God. What are you doing? Mariah Carey is stripping on TRL right now. <laughs> Yeah, it was like a desperate, thing, yeah. This was like, wow. like this. after uh, after the sort of failure of uh, glitter. Loverboy was a glitter was on glitter, actually not on Charm Bracelet, but um, she kind of just had like this moment here, which people were just like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? You're kind of being erratic." She just showed up completely unannounced on TRL, hijacked the whole episode, and was being classic Mariah. Um, <laughs> But, like, it was a whole thing, and it just fell into this, what's going on with Mariah? Is she on drugs? Blah, 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 blah. Um, And uh, it also, um, uh, she also, like I said, had her MTV Cribs episode, which was very, very bizarre. Uh, And uh, she ended up actually uh, trying to kind of focus on her sort of recovery, and that was, like, what charm bracelet was she had gone to like uh she had committed herself into like uh 
rehab for exhaustion or whatever. Yeah, there was like an alleged suicide attempt yep. as well. So, I, I, yeah, it was alleged. I don't think it was actually true, but you know, she had just she had just kind of fallen apart. She had her um, her kind of like you know mental exhaustion kind of situation, and I think with uh, with charm bracelet. Uh, it was like this, it was really kind of emotional and like just talking about like kind of building back up after all of that stuff. And unfortunately it really wasn't like, it wasn't really, uh, viable. There weren't really any hits on that. Uh, if if you really Mm. think about like what Mariah had kind of turned into by this point in time was she was like the queen of the adult contemporary sound. Like in the early nineties, Mariah kind of, she, she popularized the, the hip hop, uh, R&B kind of duo like the the rap love duet you know yeah. was her thing yeah uh, that was like that was her you know what she did with Old Dirty Bastard or Jay-Z or whomever else like Busta. she Busta like she she made that like Diddy. sound popular uh, or that kind of that combat that combo what it was uh, she had since then like really kind of just leaned heavily into the adult contemporary sound and and that had been her bread and butter I mean she had like like we said earlier before 2001 like she always had hits um, You know she has been like the highest, you know selling with most number ones like yeah. like forever kind of a thing um, But you know by this point in time after charm burst it happened and, and no one was really um, Was really kind of moving for it um, she she kind of went back to work, you know, like at the end of the day, like Mariah, she, she can write the fuck out of a song. She can arrange the hell out of a song. Um, she, uh, kind of, instead of like being like really sort of focused on that adult contemporary sound, uh, she linked up with, um, uh, Jermaine Dupree, uh, and a bunch of other people and started working on what would become the emancipation of Mimi. (laughs) Actually, I just want to play this one bit before I stop because this is like one of my favorite song lyrics of all time. Also, I just wanted to show you this. Uh, if you um, just look at Mariah's face on the Chicken screen cap of. Oh, wow. Um, I just. 
So that's it's like that. That's a, the lead single from her uh, from this particular album. Um, it's like that was like uh, people loved it. I mean, the Emancipation of Mimi was like this really ended up being this really fun album where she was just like, uh, if you think about it, really in the name, and she kind of talked a bit about. Uh, kind of where the name came from. Essentially, like her friends and family had been calling her Mimi. It her was whole like her life. Sasha Fierce. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't like her <laughs> Sasha Fierce. It was more so like her, just like, like her peaches or whatever. Um, it said, you know, that she had always kind of referred to her friends and family had referred to her as Mimi, and she really wanted uh, to uh, let her guard down and invite her friends to be much closer to her. And she thought that by naming it the emancipation of Mimi instead of like the emancipation of Mariah Carey, because she thought that was sounded kind of obnoxious that saying like, okay, I'm just going to let this one be fun. You know, she was like, um, this was her particular, uh, quote on this was like, I was called Mimi as a kid. So feeling, so the feeling of this album embodies that part of my spirit with charm brace that everyone wanted to hear the stories of my trials and tribulations. It was a healing experience. Expressing things that had gone on and my father had just passed away, which I completely forgot to mention. Mm. <laughs> um, and now she's like, okay, we've done that. This record is about having some fun. Um, and in general, like, it really was a fun record. I mean, she was like very much so just letting her hair down, being she, that was kind of when Mariah really turned into the diva that like we know her to be now. Mm. Beforehand, she was always just kind of like, she was Mariah and she's always been a diva, but she's always just kind of been like, you know, I'm just like a like sexy kind of young and and fun, uh, you know, like uh, or she was doing a lot of like balloting and it was yeah, very I mean, you know like expressive. Were mostly ballads. Yeah. Um, and this one was like just far more just like no, I'm just that bitch. Um, and like it's like that again, you know, like from the line of these chickens is ash and I'm lotion. I mean, like I seriously will never get over that. <laughs> so it's just like. <laughs> Um, and then cushion is so explosive. I yeah. mean, come on. Um, but in general, like it's like that was one of her biggest commercial successes. Uh, and she had been off the charts for like two years. Um, and then had been, um, it like, uh, debuted at number 53. It became her highest debuting song in almost five years. Ended up peaking at 16. Um, but, um, it ended up kind of being uh, ranks at 69 on the top 100, uh, for 2005 in the year in chart. Uh, it was it was a big song, um, but uh, the song which followed mm. is uh, still to this day uh, one of the most commercially successful songs of uh, basically all time.
together, baby. We belong together. I can't sleep. So that's we belong together. If you have no. been living under the rock under a rock for, for like twenty years, twenty years, years then. that is that song. <laughs> um, I. Honestly, cannot. If you were in the, trapped in a bunker, you had to have been on years. some Kimmy Schmidt shit, like <laughs> thoroughly, to have not heard that song. Period. I mean, I remember 2005 pretty well, and like that song. Oh, it was a radio it mainstay. Never stopped playing. It didn't, I mean, it was I feel on the like radio constantly. If you just like, like kept constantly shuffling hour. radio stations for a 24 hour cycle, you would never not be able. Like every second, you would hear that song <laughs> playing. I'm just gonna like run through a, a, a few like um, sort of like chart performance things on this song because I found a lot of things out that's kind of fucking nuts about this uh, and only kind of solidifies like Mariah's like status as a legend even further but in general it broke tons of chart records it, it stayed uh, number one for 14 non-consecutive weeks it was placed as a second longest running number one song in US chart history uh, and it was only behind one of her previous songs, One Sweet Day with Boys to Men, that was that oh, kind of yeah. made that in 1995. Um, it's listed as a song of the decade and the ninth most popular song of all time. Uh, what? Of all time. <laughs> uh, additionally, it broke several airplay records. It g- gathered both the, sing- the largest one day and one week audience in history. For one week, it was 32 million. One day, it was 32 million plays. And then one week, it was 223 million impressions. Uh which is wow. fucking nuts. Uh, it was also uh, the song of the year, obviously. Uh, it was also um, declared the most popular song of the 2000s decade. Uh, and Mariah Carey, her uh, previous decade, was also given to her for one fine day as the most popular song of the 1990s. Um, it won uh, uh, Best day. R&B one Song, sweet One Sweet Day, yeah. It won Best R&B Song and Best Female R&B Vocal it was also named song uh, song of the year at the songwriter A Scaps Awards, and it was also the most performed song at the BMIs. Um, she just she just like won everything for it. Uh, it like I I distinctly just remember like just on TRL it was like number one forever. Yeah, uh, I remember was, her Grammys performance yes. for it. Um, there's a a quote from um, Mariah Carey talking about when she recorded the song. Uh, she said, you know, I had chills. I had this great feeling about it when we finished writing the song. She was flying back from Atlanta where she was recording it with uh, Jermaine Dupri. as some crazy out in the morning. Uh, but when we were listening to it on the plane right on the way home, even from the demo version, I felt something really special. Um, I mean, and that's like really putting it lightly. I mean, I don't think there's like, there's roughly rarely been a, a song to be as big as that since then. I think like maybe Work by Rihanna is probably the closest that a song has gotten to being played nearly as often as we belong together since then um it was yeah it was a huge deal and especially for it to be like i mean it's funny to think that like the biggest song in the 90s and the biggest song of the 80s were both two kind of ballads and not necessarily something that people could dance to you know yeah um but yeah i mean we belong also such a huge hit also correct me if i'm wrong but i remember um that you know, she when she had signed that hundred million dollar record contract, that was like the biggest record deal of all time, and she'd had those two flop albums. They actually they bought, bought her, out her out of that deal, fifty million for fifty. So they were like, "Hey, we'll give you fifty million to like not have to put out any, any more of your trash which is music." Crazy. You and get, then you she signed, signed a new deal with Interscope. With Interscope, yeah. 
Um, oh, no, no, no. It was Island with Island Records, not Interscope. Univ- yeah, yeah, with Universal. So she'd already been like. Already been dropped. Uh, not even dropped, like paid, paid to leave. $50 million to yeah, get out. To get out. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, you know, I know we thought this, but it, it's, it's bananas. I mean, like this, this was like an album that I think no one expected to do this well as it, as it did, especially this song. I mean, based on like I said, it's like, that was like, it was, it, it went gold, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was cute. Fine. It was fine. But also what else was on the record? Oh, We'll get into what else we're about to play because this next song is probably my favorite song on the album. Is it Shake It Up? Yeah. That was on this album. Yep. Everybody just, everybody just bounce, bounce. Who? 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 Everybody Mommy, just, everybody just bounce. Shake it up. Cause the love it ain't the same and you keep on playing games like you know I'm here to stay. Just like the cow gone commercialized We gotta get up out of here and go somewhere Gotta Gotta make that move for somebody who appreciates all the love I give Boy, I gotta shake it up Gotta do what's best for me, baby, and that means I gotta shake it up Gotta tell me that this message, it's gonna be too late So don't bother paging me, cause I'll be on my way so that's shake it off obviously um it's, it's also a, a gigantic smash huge hit. funny thing about this song is it was blocked by to get to number one only by we belong together because that was still going oh, like on. they followed it up too quickly um no, no no this was like four months at three months after the fact it was still number one um but it was uh it got it 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 made Mariah Carey the first female artist to have uh, the to occupy the top two spots uh, on the Billboard charts. Wow! Um, but in general, like this album, the Emancipation of Mimi was like Mariah's like true return to like an R and B sound. You know, like you know, Shake It Off is like an undeniably R and B sound. Uh, and the same thing with it's like that, and we belong together. I mean, like I said beforehand, she had been like so heavily into this adult contemporary sound. And then she really kind of returned to, you know, like, I think where she thrives, which is in this kind of like, uh, like this was like a really like, especially like Shake It Off was like this kind of like, it was like a really bouncy song. Like mm. she'd never really like explore that kind of uh, song structure before. And I think, um, you know, it's funny because when I was reading it, reading through um, sort of some, some the materials about this particular album uh, and some interviews, uh, it kind of, especially like this album came out, came out a little bit after Confessions by Usher, uh, which Rain Dupree also worked on. And this song definitely kind of has that Confessions-y kind of sound to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Dupree actually said that the the Shake It Off kind of uh, comes from that style of Confessions and just that bounce. It's got a lot of ingredients because it, I never thought Mariah could make a bouncy type record. When you hear the song, the whole bounce record and the way that she's flipping it and the stuff that she's talking about, I knew that record was gonna just was gonna go just because you've never heard Mariah talk about the stuff. She was like, "I packed up my Louis Vuitton." Uh, she took it really yeah, it was on the so ghetto side. Yeah, it was like really her like it was a kind of a hood statement in general. Um, and she said that she, he thought you know it was either gonna hit people in the right in the wrong way or they were gonna love it, and they ended up loving it. Um, so yeah, Shake It Off was like another. Um, Another kind of big smash on on that album, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, this was, this album was like really like brought people back to mind because honestly, like this had been after, you know, uh, five years almost of her just kind of faltering, mm. uh, and everyone kind of writing her off as a joke or just kind of like, you know, past her prime and really not able to, to recover. And it's funny too, because like, if you go, you know, like they think of her now, like they think of her now. And it, it's funny. Cause if you look in the lens of 2017, I'm also just like, I know that she has another comeback in her and she's going to like silence everybody again. Eventually. I just I mean, feel like, I don't know if her, like, I hope, like hope to God, her voice, like, uh, can do something still. I feel like she needs to really like put down the bottle. Yeah. And I mean, no more champagne and honey, no more champagne and honey. Like no she, more, no more, Blunts in the bathtub. Nope, no more of that. No more twenty-four-year-old D. And no more like lingerie on camera. No, no more <laughs> lingerie on camera. Like <laughs> get the vocals together because that's why you're Mariah Carey. Yeah, I, I, I just like, I, I don't want to judge her, and I don't want to talk about you know anyone having to act their age because what the fuck does that even mean? But no. I think for me, it's just like, um, it's just about taking care of your craft yeah. and being the be, best that you can be. Yeah. Understand that. Like, because vo- you are people that were born in like 2000 don't really know the vocals that she can give. Yeah. They don't know. And they also just don't know just how much of like, it, and yeah, like she's a diva, but she is a, she's a musician. I mean, like she knows, she knows how to write. She knows how to arrange. She, I mean, she, she will be paid for the rest of her life for the creation of, all I want for Christmas is you. I mean, like she's the last person yep. in the history of the world to in- have a song entered into the Christmas canon. Think oh, about yeah, that. It's the only like Christmas there's not been a song written in the last like 30 years. And that was in 1992. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, and that was her, that was her who made that. Um, she, she is a, she's a, like, she's a G and like, and granted, like I, I look at everything she does now and I can't even judge her. Cause I'm like, look, you have paid your dues. You have done your thing. You can, you can trip, like, mumble around on stage all day long. Because people, like, love that. Because at the end of the day, she's Mariah fucking Carey. And she doesn't have to do anything she doesn't want to do. If she wants to sit on stage and fart and, like, blow bubbles all day long, I will, I mean, like, shit, go for it. I don't give a shit. Like, those are some record-setting bubbles. And some fucking chart-topping farts, you know? <laughs> um, I think that's... I mean, what else can you say, really? I, I just, I can, you know, I can never, I can never, <laughs> I can never hate on Mariah. Um, but yeah, I mean, no. the Emancipation of Mimi was like, I think, uh, I look at this and I think, I know that she has it in her again to be able to do this. I just, I wonder how it's going to manifest itself just because, like you were saying, I mean, like, if you don't take care of your instrument, which she really doesn't seem to be wanting to do right now, like... It just, it, it sucks because I, I, I look in the same vein of people like uh, Celine Dion, who takes her instrument very oh, fucking seriously. She does not. F- oh, uh, another glow up yeah. that we need to talk oh about later. Oh my God. Yes, we do. Next episode. She's been killing. She's been this slaying everybody. <laughs> if you've not been paying attention to Celine Dion let's, let's put this a pin year, in that. Just, just do your research. Anyways, um, but like all that to say, like she's somebody who takes her instrument very seriously and has not. She's always been very careful about taking care of her voice yeah. and her, her craft like that. And I yeah. just wish that, you know, like Mariah had the same um, sort of perspective on that because she cause she could still be singing uh, at, you know, the level in which she's like in which we know that she's been able to. But I don't know if it's like past the point of no return. Um, but I think a lot of people thought that when when 
the Emancipation Mimi came out and she proved them wrong because like she sang the fuck out of these songs too. Yeah. Um, and I, and I know like I, we kind of stopped playing all the songs because like all these songs, I mean, it's a classic Mariah structure of it being kind of like breathy and fun and light, you know, for the majority of it. And then she just kind of hits you with these powerhouse vocals near the end um, and then gives you some whistle register as, as she kind of floats on out of there. But um, in general, yeah, I mean, the Emancipation Mimi, it was a humongous album. Uh, it was uh, just uh, brought her back. Uh, the, her follow-ups e equals MC squared, uh, and then <laughs> it's me, Mariah, the elusive Shantus. The elusive Shantus. <laughs> it's me, Mariah. Um, the elu- hey, it's me, Mariah, the, the elusive, elusive Shantus. Or God, what does that even mean? Anyways, uh, so yeah, that's the Emancipation Mimi. It's a great comeback album. Yeah. I think everyone's kind of heard it. If you're not, um, I don't know where you've been. Yeah, it was a big deal. Thanks, memes. Best of luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> Go with God, Crispy. <laughs> oh, it's me now. <laughs> um, okay, so this is this could be one to, to end on, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the like most amazing comebacks ever, in my opinion, because um, she was 44 when it happened. Mm. It was the only time she, it was the beginning of her billboard charting career. What? At, at 44. I don't even know who this is. Do you know who it is? No, I don't. Um, she had already had a 20 plus year career. Oh. Yes, she had she had been around since the fifties, really, mm-hmm. um, and been very successful, and was already an icon at this point. But she had never crossed over into this kind of success. And at the age of forty-four, Miss Tina Turner yes. came out with this groundbreaking, record-breaking, huge-selling, career-changing, uh, just catapulting, world touring, spherical like. A record uh, called Private Dancer. Yes. And, um, well, let's just go ahead and play the, uh, the title track from the yes. album. I mean, this is such a good song. Do 
I'm your private dancer, a dancer for money. This music video is oh, the music my video is amazing. fucking, if I could live in that thing. Oh, it's beautiful. Ugh. Yeah, great music video. So Tina Turner was, um, she was born in 1939. Yeah. That's a long ass time, time, time ago. Like that's the year Wizard of Oz came out. <laughs> Shit was just coming the out World in color. World War Two was just like <laughs> was that was fresh, jumping off, freshly yeah. happening. Yeah, not even just about. Yeah, I mean, um, she had started a career in the mid fifties with um, Ike Turner, who was her husband. Also, mm-hmm. like if I, I feel like there's you know young people that maybe don't really know the story, so I'm going to give a little yeah, bit please of perspective because she was. Um, so she had been, she was married to this guy Ike Turner, and they had. Um, basically been doing like rock and roll and soul shows and acts and records from the mid fifties until the late Mm seventies and been very successful at it. I mean, Tina was one of the only women in rock and roll at the time. Oh, only women in rock. And she was very well respected, admired and loved. And, you know, people like Rolling Stones fucked with her, Mm -hmm. you know, people like all kinds of, um, a lot of people who like who were contemporaries at the time, like absolutely, like you said, respected her. Yeah, and one of the most phenomenal live performers. Oh yeah, because not only does she have this like unusual, like rough, like incredible, powerful voice, but she's got these like gams. Like her legs at one point, sure. her legs were insured for a million dollars. Yeah, because she had this campaign for stockings. Yeah. That was like super lucrative because she had amazing legs. I mean, for a woman, still has for, amazing still, legs. Still does. For a woman in the early sixties, uh, she was like she was transformative. I mean, she was she embodied like sex on stage. I mean, like there really wasn't any woman doing what she was doing at the time. Just from the way that she moved to the way that she sang to the way that she dressed. I mean, she was like she was like a game changer in that sense. I mean, if if you were, you can look at the 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 more previous the I guess you could say like Etta James before her was the most like provocative like person, but that was just because she swore like a sailor and was like kind of a crazy lady. But like she was like it, she she would never have had the the tenacity to be as mm. overtly kind of like unapologetically like without Etta feminine uh, without that, but also yeah. like. She she kind of took that and just was like, you know what? I, I'm a rock star, and you see her on stage, and she is a fucking rock star. Like she moved around on that stage like it was nobody's business. Yeah, I mean, just like from like, I mean, everybody who has followed her, that's like a female, especially like even like a black female performer, a stage performer, takes their cues from her. Yeah, I mean, Definitely. even oh, even Beyonce. if you're even if you're not black, I mean, Beyonce. everybody takes the cues from like from her. Yeah. I mean, Beyonce like so heavily bites Beyonce on her. Beyonce hev- heavily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so this she'd had a you know a lot of success like classics such as Proud Mary, mm-hmm. which is you know timeless Always. rock soul classic. Still you know? goes hard. Still does. Every now and then. I love watching random performances of, the, of her doing this song on, on YouTube. The same. Because it always goes. Yeah. It's always the same, but it always goes. There's just one thing. You see, we never, ever do nothing. Nice. Easy. We always do it. Nice. Rough. 
we're going to take the beginning of this song and do it easy. But then we're going to do the finish. Rough. the way we do. Proud Mary. And we're rolling. Because we don't have time. We don't have time. Yeah, I'd, we'd knock everything over in this room. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in uh, her relationship with Ike Turner became very like tumultuous. He was like a cocaine addict, alcoholic, Abuser. became very abusive. And um, as this was happening, she got really into Buddhism mm. and Buddhism. Buddhism. As, remember, we, we, we struggled this, we with did. this word before. <laughs> Buddhism, Buddhism. But yeah, in Australia, the pronunciation is Buddhism. And so that's just... That's just another thing. Like an old, tomato, tomato. Yeah. Buddhism. <laughs> and so she'd been doing um, chanting and... and uh, Shanti, shanties. And yeah, and, and meditation to sort of cope with that. But mm-hmm. they went through a rough divorce and he took everything... Everything. Except, except her name. Except her name. That was it. Because he had given her the name Tina Turner. Her yeah. real name was um, Anna May Bullock. Bullock. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you've not watched uh, <laughs> the classic, classic film, uh, What's Love Got to Do With It, starring the ageless uh, Angela Bassett. Yes. Um, who, mind you, um, I just realized that uh, I saw this on on the internet that she played Cuba Gooding Jr.'s mother in Boys to Men and is currently in American Horror Story playing his sister, and that's twenty five <laughs> years apart. <laughs> Think about that. There you go. She does not age. She's a vampire. I'm on to you, Angela. Yeah. Anyways, and also, but like, it just doesn't crack. It doesn't. Black just it won't do it. It just won't. It just won't. It won't. Not until like seventy eight. And, and and just like a little crease. Just crease. Just crease. It never cracks. It just creases. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what's love got to do with it? Really, kind of uh, tells just the. It lays out the. It whole lays story. out the whole story. And, and it's should, it is a great. It's a film. great movie. She got yeah. nominated for an Oscar and unjustly lost that. Yeah. Uh, to some absolute it's a great bullshit. Performance. But yeah. Um, so yeah, so if, if you haven't seen that, go, go rent that at your local VHS store. Um, <laughs> Blockbuster Hollywood Just go and get that torrent. Just get it, find it. Um, so she, yeah, so the name that he'd given her, that was all she got in the divorce and she was literally starting out from scratch. She had nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, she met this new, uh, manager who was actually an Australian guy who sort of started booking her in, in clubs in Vegas and she was doing nightclub acts, doing a lot of covers and, she was at that point just like kind of a washed up has been like people, you know, went to go and play bingo and watch Tina Turner sing some old classics while they chit chatted and drank cocktails in the background. Um, she'd had two 
uh, solo records after she'd left um, Ike Turner and they weren't really very successful at all. They didn't really get much love. Um, one of them was called Rough and the other one was called Something Else, which I didn't <laughs> put in my notes. Ooh, something else. That sounds and, like a... Um, um, so she, she recorded this album in London and um, s- released a single on Capitol Records. It was a cover of Al Green's Let's Stay Together. And this was before the album was, um, was recorded or made. It was just like a one-off kind of single. And they were like, okay, well, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll let you release this single. This was on Capitol Records. Let me say the sins, baby, since we've been together, ooh, loving you forever is all I need. Let me be the one you come running to. So they never thought this would be a, really as big of a hit as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it was a hit, it was it went to number 26 in the US top 100. It was top 10 in the UK and a number of European countries. Capital was like, okay, bitch, well, do an album and do it quick because... <laughs> <laughs> well, come on now, bitch. <laughs> yeah. So because we, you know, maybe I guess you could follow this up with some even more success. Mm-hmm. So she went to London and recorded this album in in two months and um it was like such a huge phenomenal success two sold, months yeah it sold 20 million copies yeah it went multi-platinum across the world united kingdom united states all over europe australia to date it remains her biggest selling album in north america it produced seven singles what's love got to do with it better be good to me private dancer let's stay together among them and um it cemented her as an icon and she did a tour following the following year that was 177 dates <laughs> worldwide. Uh, and she became like one of the be- biggest touring artists of the eighties and nineties. Um, just like stadiums, arenas, constantly touring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This was like a, wasn't this like a record breaking tour or two? I mean, like it just sort of sold out everywhere. Wasn't I think it? she's like, yeah, she was one of the touring artists that did the most, shows in a year yeah on several years um in several countries different years yeah Yeah. and uh she won four grammys with this uh record of the year for what's love got to do with it Mm -hmm. um was among the grammys and um let's listen to what's love got to do with it yes i mean this is still a song that I hear on the radio at least once a week. Mm-hmm. 94-7. Mm-hmm. 
song mm. it's um, such a good song such a great song and it's and like it's funny that like i honestly didn't know that, that this was like her entry into like the billboard world oh, it world. became this became her the, the, her the previous single let's say together was her first charting single yeah in the billboard Which at the age of 44. 44 and then this song became number one and it took 10 months actually to climb it was in the charts consistently climbing months. And then reached number one. If finally, that's so later crazy. That year. Yeah, man, it, it's just crazy because like that's like a midlife glow up. That like like I don't think I've ever heard of anyone being able to do that. Like yeah, like that's crazy. Especially like you said, seeing as she's been around for so long, like she had had she had been in the game like twenty years already by that point in time. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, wow. So, and now she lives, uh, you know, she went on to follow up with like, you know, more success and, um, like I said, became one of the biggest touring artists of the eighties and nineties. Um, she's done film work, acting, you know, beyond Thunderdome, Mad Max Mm -hmm. was like a great moment for her. And, um, she became a Swiss, she's married to a guy and lives in Switzerland now. Mm -hmm. She, she gave up her U.S. citizenship. She didn't want to pay those taxes. I don't blame her. And um, now she lives in Switzerland. She's 77. Looks like she's probably 50. Still has legs. Like it's nobody's business. Yeah. I mean, she's such a queen, Tina. I mean, like, uh, it's such, uh, that is like such a great come up, like, and, and like a comeback in general. Like when you think about, like you were saying, she like literally, it took everything but her name. And when you say everything, I mean, like she, she had so many hits and like, uh, I mean, just like took everything because he owned it all. And yeah. it's like, it's nuts to see like uh, for him to kind of have that small victory and then for her to like be able to be like, you know what? I'm going to take this. Yeah. I took literally with, had and nothing. And now he's dead. And now, <laughs> now he's dead and she'll probably be alive forever and she's probably getting that young Swiss dick right now. And <laughs> But um, it is a lesson to anybody out there that is anybody out there that's listening that's going through a struggle right now. Like, you know, it is not over till it's over. It's true. And you can be down and out and miracles happen it's so true you know it happens all the time every day so just don't give up people and just yeah just don't keep do it doing keep doing do. you yeah you know sometimes you got to fake it till you make it but in general it's just like uh 
you know, uh, change only is, is, doesn't happen when you don't believe in it. So, mm-hmm. um, if anything, and you, and you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. I know that's right. So, yeah, I think, mm-hmm. um, we're going to break this off and come back next week yeah, with, with more comeback albums. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thanks for listening. We're, we're really happy to be back. Um, uh, it's, uh, hopefully we'll have like a little bit of, a little bit of, a. uh, I'm excited for this next, I'll, I'll call it our next season <laughs> of shows. Uh, but yeah, again, uh, if you've not already done so, please, please write and subscribe and tell whomever and everyone that, you know, that we're here. Um, you can uh, reach out to us with your favorite comeback albums uh, uh, on Twitter at Context of Sound or on by email at contextofsound at gmail.com. Um, or if you just want to say hi, what's up, or give us any feedback yeah. or anything like that. And thanks um, to um, Ayana Butler again yes. for making our playlist. Yes, musical supervisor Ayana Butler. Uh, and then also, if you wouldn't mind sending your favorite Celine Dion looks of 2017 into Context of Sound as well. well. We'd like to discuss those probably next week. Yes, um, absolutely. But yeah, um, anything else? Um, thanks for listening and I hope you learned something. I know I did. Oh, it was so educational. I'm hungry. I need another piece of that Patty LaBelle sweet potato pie. Give me that Patty pie. I can't stand in the rain against my window. Memories. I can't stand the ride against my window. Cause he ain't here with me. Hey, window pain. Tell me, do you remember how sweet it used to be? Production is so tight. Stay up, everybody. Don't spend too much time on the internet reading comments. No, don't do it. It's not healthy. <laughs> Bye. Bye.